Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So today on the show, I'm sharing one of my very favorite conversations that we've ever had on Girls' Night. It's a conversation I had back in season one with my amazing friend, Hannah Seymour, and in it, we're talking about, get ready for it, sex. Now, sex is such an important part of our marriages, but it's also something we rarely talk about as girlfriends. But the thing is that Hannah and I think we need to talk about it more. We need the chance to ask questions, to get advice and encouragement from girls who love God and love their husbands and who are trying to figure this out too. And that's what this episode is all about. When we first recorded this episode, I was telling a friend about it afterwards and I described it to her as all the things you wish your big sister had told you about sex as you were getting married. I love that. We're gonna be talking through questions like, what to do if you don't wanna have sex as much as you thought you would? Or should you be wearing lingerie every time? What do you do if sex is awkward or even hurts? How do you get better at sex? How do you get yourself or him in the mood? How often should you be having sex? And so much more. I'm telling you, this is girls' night to the max. This conversation has been so healing and helpful and encouraging for me and for Hannah and for so many of my girlfriends, and I know it will be for you too. Now, just a disclaimer, this episode is specifically geared towards sex in the context of marriage, which I know leaves some people out. But here's what I wanna say about that. Number one, you don't have to be married to join us for this conversation. I think it'll be helpful and encouraging and beneficial either way. The first time we ran this episode, I actually heard from some women who were single who listened and and just found it so helpful to have some, I don't know, to hear this stuff before they were actually in the thick of it. And I I love that. The other thing is we have another podcast episode um, here on Girls' Night. It's Girls' Night number 97, and it's how to navigate your sex drive as a single Christian woman. And it is such a good episode. And so uh, if you're not married right now, definitely go check out that episode as well. Um, It's an interview with my friend Kat Harris, and she's just amazing. Okay. One more thing I wanted to tell you is that I I mentioned this last week. Hannah was actually our guest for last week, and she's our guest again this week. And as we speak, Hannah's probably having her baby, her third baby, a little girl. I cannot wait to meet her. And so if you think of it as you are listening to this episode, uh, go ahead and pray for Hannah because she is in the middle of a major transition in life right now, bringing a little baby girl into the world and into our Girls' Night fam. So just wanted to make sure to tell you that. So one more thing I wanted to share with you guys before we dive in, you know, as we're talking about marriage and sex and these massively important areas of our lives, I did want to take a second to talk about therapy. It's really one of my favorite things to talk about, actually. You know, finding a good therapist can be a daunting task. And even if you find a good one, figuring out how to pay for therapy is a whole other thing. And that's why I have a resource I really wanted to make sure to share with you. It's called Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. They're amazing because they help you get traditional mental health counseling, but from a Christian perspective, and you get to do it all online, all from the comfort of your couch, which is perfect for a season when we're still spending quite a bit of time at home. Faithful Counseling has made the process of finding a great, affordable counselor so easy, and they've made it more affordable as well. While I love traditional in-person counseling, it can cost more than $100 per session, which just makes it a total no-go for so many of us. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive and they have financial aid available. 
Friends, if therapy is something you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to getfaithful.com slash girlsnight to learn more about them. And I'm really excited to say this. Because Faithful Counseling is one of our podcast sponsors, they were so generous to give my Girls' Night listeners a special offer of 10% off your first month of counseling. So to check it out and to get 10% off your first month, just go to getfaithful.com slash girlsnight. Just wanted to make sure you guys have that resource. Okay, you ready? Without any further ado, let's hop into my episode with Hannah. Okay, this is happening. We're here. Um, guys, I'm so excited for what we have going on today. I'm hanging out in my house, which is no one ever told me that podcasting would just be hanging out with your girlfriends, <laughs> but it is. Um, it's so much fun. I'm here at my house with my sweet friend, Hannah, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to meet her. Um, Hannah, before we get into anything, can you just introduce yourself to us a little bit? And also I'm putting all my friends on the spot in this and I'm going to ask you for a fun fact. Okay. Okay. Um, yes. So my name is Hannah Seymour and Steph and I have been friends for gosh, two or three years now. I think three, three years. Also our anniversary is coming up. Mark your calendars. We're going to the fair. We got to celebrate. Yep. At the Wilson County Fair, which if you live in Tennessee, I would argue is probably the best, uh, best fair in our state. It was like one of our first double dates. And the whole time we were there, Carl and I kept taking pictures with the Wilson signs and (laughs) telling everyone that it was like our great, great, great grandpa Wilson that started the fair. So absolutely. um, And we're just going to tell you that that's true. Yeah, it probably is. It probably is. So yeah, it's fine guys. Um, so I live in Nashville. I've been here for seven years. I met and married my cute, amazing husband named Tyler and I, um, actually, I'm going to tell you guys something that nobody knows because I'm just about to uh, allowed to announce it. And uh, by the time this podcast comes out, I'll be allowed to announce. But I have a book coming out in the spring yes, of do. 2018. Yeah, it's called The College Girl Survival Guide. And it's really the 52 most common questions or issues that college girls face. And it's written from a biblical perspective. Um, but anyway, I'm so excited. So it'll be out at least um, by early April, if not even in March. And so if you know any college girls, oh my gosh, I would love to have this book get in their hands. Um, But anyway, so that's like my big project that I've been working on for a long time. I was going to say that's your big baby, but also... But also I am actually carrying a literal baby in my belly, (laughs) which is due Thanksgiving Day. So... Um, probably by the time you hear this podcast, I will be really close to having my first child, which is a little boy. So we're seriously really excited. Yeah. So good. (laughs) Um, okay. So is your fun fact the book? Oh, um, no, but that would have been a great, that would have been great, but now I asked for another one. So so I was trying to think about like, what is random about my life? So this is so random. So for three years in the summers of my high school life, I traveled with a Christian singing and dancing like like pop group. And I mean, some of you have, may have heard of it and it's called the Young Continentals, but we would travel around for six weeks over the summer and perform every single night at different churches, at parks, at um, like juvenile centers. I mean, so anyway, so I like sang and danced and I've toured almost like at all, all Oh my gosh. I've toured almost the entire United States through doing this, which is super cool as a kid to go to like every state in America. So I wish you could get, anyway, I wish you guys could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't even. laughs> 
Yeah, and I thought, I was like, Steph doesn't know this about me. This is super <laughs> random, and... I love this. It's awesome. I love I've got it. lots of great stories to share about it. So anyway, oh, that's my random fact. I love that. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's such a good one. Um, oh man, it's going to take me a second to recover from that. Um, so Hannah, I'm so happy to have you here. I um, It's really fun because you and I have been talking about podcasting for a really a long, long time. time. Yeah. Like I cannot even count up the number of like dinners or coffee dates or lunches or something where we have talked about like this needs to happen. Like yep. someone needs to do this. So yep. here we are. And yeah. I can't believe it's happening. Um so that's really, really special. And I'm really excited for the girls to get to talk to you and, and hear from you because you are so wise. You are so mm, wise. Thanks. Um and you are such a good, such a good friend to me. Um and you talk me through so many things in my life and, and it's just so, my life is so much better because I get to walk, like walk through it with you. Um, and so I'm really like excited to get to <laughs> package you up a little bit and share you with friends. Um, and so today I feel like this is like maybe the most, the, the ultimate girls night, which is totally what this podcast is about. This is the ultimate girls night because tonight we are talking about sex. Yep. <laughs> We're talking about sex. And so before we, we have like a thousand disclaimers before we get started. <laughs> um, but really, so what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about sex specifically once you're married. Yes. Um, because we've done a lot of episodes in this season for um, our awesome single friends. And I love that. But I also want to, you know, do something for our married friends as well. Um, so we're going to be talking about sex after um, after you're married. And maybe we'll do a, a episode in a different season or something where we talk about sex leading up to marriage, because that's a whole thing in itself. Totally. Um, so we're going to be talking about sex after marriage. And, um, so right now I feel like I need to politely request that my parents listen no further. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so mom and dad, please stop listening. Um, also probably put in headphones, depending on where you're (laughs) listening to this. Probably not the episode you went blasting through your house or like in your car with your windows rolled down. Yes. Because we're going to, well, I say we, I'm going to use words, y'all. I'm not afraid to say words. Uh, Steph is a little bit more um, demure than I am, <laughs> so I may have to say words for her, but uh, we're going to use, we're going to use some adult language. Okay? We are. Um, and I'm giggling over here and I'm already blushing because I feel like <laughs> um, I, this is, I love talking about sex. I, I really do because I think it's one of those things we never talk about or, or not enough people talk about. And so it's one of those things where we can struggle or feel shame or be really confused and we can do it all silently um, and have no idea that we're totally normal, that we're not the only ones. Um, and we, and like without any help, um, because we never talk about it. So I love talking about it for that reason, but you are totally right. I am. I I don't know if the word is like squeamish or, or (laughs) shy or a baby, like a 12 year old. I don't know what the deal is, but I have never been able to say, I can, I mean, I can, but I hate saying the actual words. And so I might just like get quiet and like blush and then Hannah will fill in the gaps. Um, we can do this. Yeah, we can do this. So maybe headphones. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, so we have a lot of, um, reader questions that we're going to go through today, Hannah. We're just going to, um, talk through them and answer as many of them as we get to. Um, but we're not going to get through all of them and we're not going to be able to cover everything. Right. And I think that's okay because I really hope that this is not like the end all be all resource for sex after marriage, but I hope that it's a beginning of like, I hope that y'all take what we talk about and start these conversations with your girlfriends and that you guys can start talking through these things together. Um, in that though, um, I think that part of the reason we don't talk about sex is because we're afraid of, um, 
open, like, because sex is a really private, important, sacred thing between us and our husbands. And we don't want to, um, like open up that part. Like it's supposed to be that way. And so I think that we don't know how to talk about it without, um, throwing them under the bus or feeling Mm. like we're revealing something about them that we shouldn't. And, um, so first of all, I want to say we both have permission to be talking about this from our husbands. (laughs) We talked about this. Um, but also I'm hoping that we can kind of set a standard for how to talk about it. Um, in, we're going to be a little bit more general. We're not going to be giving super specifics about our lives because that's just not, because we want it to be a really sacred private, you know, thing in our lives. Um, but you can still talk about sex and not have it be something that hurts or embarrasses or whatever your husband. And I think that that's a, it's a really good thing when we can talk about this together. Yeah. So I hope that we can kind of, um, give an example of, of how we, how we talk about this with our friends in a way that really honors our husbands, but also, um, helps us not be alone in this. Yeah. Um, so I hope this is kind of the beginning of the conversation. Yes. You also wanted to give one more disclaimer. Yeah. So I learned, gosh, I had only been married for one year and my mom and I taught a Bible study at our church about, um, my mom, her, who's my mom, whose name is Cindy Easley has actually written a book on, biblical submission and marriage. And if that, even that thought makes you want to puke, uh, I would totally recommend for you to buy her book. Her book is amazing. And it's really about her journey in the beginning of like hating the idea of biblical submission and really understanding what it means and then what it looks like. But so part of that, we talked about sex during this Bible study. And my mom, who's been married for 35 years, thought it would be great for me as the one year married girl to talk about sex, which is hilarious. And uh, so anyway, so, I mean, she helped me and I talked about it, but I learned from that, and I will always carry this forward, remembering that there are always women in the audience that have had sexual abuse or things in their past that are really harmful and have really twisted what a healthy sex life looks for them today. And so, number one, um, if that's you and you're listening to this, we are so thrilled that you're here. But if anything at any point ever triggers you, just stop. Turn off the episode, walk away. It's not worth it. And two, if we say anything that goes against the grain of what a therapist has told you or um, just goes against what you're thinking and feeling, as with all advice, we should always take it with a grain of salt. No advice is ever one size fits all. Um, But particularly, I just want you to know that we are thinking and talking to men, I mean, well, to women in marriages um, that where we're not having a ton of sexual abuse or past history that's really impacting what's going on in their marital sex life today. So just know, um, trust your therapist and just disregard anything that we say (laughs) that just, that that doesn't resonate with you because the last thing we want to do is say something that's not healthy or safe for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. Okay. Um, so let's get started. Um, so one of the things that I think happens, um, when we get married is that we find that we don't want to have sex as much as, or as often as we thought we were going to want to have sex. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, um, I've, you know, gotten to be a part of a lot of conversations. You know, a lot of my friends got married all at the same time and the, the plans were, so grand, you know, they were so, um, like we're going to do it 17 times a day. Like I can't wait. Um, and I think that, that a lot of us feel that way, especially if you haven't been having sex, like your plans are major for what this is going to look like. And I think that sometimes when you get into it, it doesn't look quite the same as you thought it would. Yes. And I think some of that is that we just don't want to have sex as often as we thought we did. Right. Also I'm saying we, but you guys, I I'm telling you, 
I, I hate doing this because this is not normally the way I like to talk about things, but I really am taking, we both are taking ourselves completely out of the conversation <laughs> just out of respect for our husbands. <laughs> that was sort of the caveat for getting to talk about this. So when I say we, uh, just, it's just a universal, it's we. a universal, it's we. there are women out there that this is their story. Yes, yes. totally. Yes. I just, a blanket statement on that. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, so Hannah, like kick us off on that. What, what, what if you don't want to have sex as much as you thought you did? Yeah. Well, one, I think it just shows the nature of our sinful flesh. Like we want, we can't have, it's so hard to not tear your boyfriend, fiance's clothes off. And then once you get married and start having sex, number, number one, guys, sex is a lot of work. <laughs> and it is. Yeah. And if you didn't have sex before getting married, um, you definitely did not anticipate how much work and communication and all these things that go into like having a good sex life with your husband. And so I think when we hit that or gosh, if you first get married and it hurts really bad or whatever, there's all these variables that come up and all of a sudden you're like, uh, this is just fine to not do that often. <laughs> you know, I thought I wanted sex 24 seven. And now I'm kind of wondering <laughs> is this even a thing that I'm interested in anymore? Yeah. And one, I would say, I mean, you know, the overarching stereotype is totally that men want sex more than women, that women have lower sex drives, whatever. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, I think. But regardless, one, I would say, um, talk to your husband about just expectations. You may be thinking, gosh, he wants sex every single night and I could really just go once a week and that would be cool. Um, so y'all need to talk it out and really be honest. Like, honey, what truly your dream sex life with me, what does that look like? And then you be honest um, and find what that happy middle ground is. It's not going to, if he wants sex seven nights a week and you only want it once a week, it's not going to be on either of those extremes. I can, like, that's not compromising. Mm -hmm. um, so, Number one, talk it out. And then number two, there are some books that I read early on that were really helpful to me. One is um, A Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Is yeah, that right, Steph? Called, yeah. And then the other one, I'll have to look it up real quick and say it later at the end of the show. But um, both of them had really helpful tips for me on thinking about how to kind of like amp up my sex drive. Um, and see there, I'm not talking universal anymore. Here we go. But, um, but there are like some really easy things, like some tips of when you're folding laundry or when you're doing dishes, something that you do regularly, like thinking about sex, literally trying to like turn up your sex drive when it's not time to have sex. Um, but there's all sorts of things that you, you and both your husband can do to help you, um, kind of start thinking like, okay, I know we're going to have sex tonight. And these are some things I can do for myself throughout the day that get me excited, that get me there. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I, well, I remember, um, so the good girl's guide to great sex, I yeah. think if that's exactly what it's called, um, Tyler, your husband yeah. definitely gave me that book at church. That's how, <laughs> that's how I got that book. Uh, because Hannah and I, but it was from me. It was from right? you. He yes. Was just he, I think, the... I think that you weren't there or he ran out to the car to get it or something like that. But anyway, you and I had had a conversation and I had a question and you were like, you need to read this book. And so, um, so you're like, I'll give it to you at church, at church on Sunday. And so, yeah, I think Tyler went to go get it. And so it was in like a gift bag, but it definitely happened in like the church sanctuary. Tyler handed me a gift bag. I'm not sure if he knew what was in it. Guys, where else is a better place to talk about sex though than church? Come on. Yes. <laughs> um, so I remember you saying that though, about like, um, sometimes we're just not thinking about it, especially if we haven't been having sex. Like 
it's it's a new, this is a new muscle. It is a new skill. It is a new part of your life. And so I think that when we get married, we're like, oh, I don't think about sex that often. Well, because you honestly didn't really think about it that often before, even if, you know, you did when your, your boyfriend, your fiance was around or whatever, like if it wasn't part of your life before, like this is a new part of your life. And so I think it's natural that it's not, um, like the first thing you think about. And so I think that that's part of it. It's just, we're thinking about other things. And so I remember you saying that, that like every time you're doing dishes, start training yourself that like you start thinking about sex when you do the dishes and then it it kind of becomes more of a part of your life. Um, the other thing in terms of like preparing yourself throughout the day, um, one thing is I think that showering and being cute and clean and kind of ready. Really important. Huge. Yes. Because like there's nothing less or nothing you want less than to be touched when you are like sweaty and gross and like not feeling good about, about yourself. Um, and so I think like just showering and kind of being ready, like, um, my, uh, I don't, I don't want to say who it is, but a sweet friend of mine is kind of a mentor of mine, um, talks about being wedding ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and so making sure your legs are shaved and everything's all good to go that, that you are so much more prepared and excited about being touched and being naked when you are in that place. Um, I think another thing is, um, in one of the other episodes, I don't know if it'll come before this one or after this one, but, um, we talked to my sweet friend, Robin, who is a Pilates instructor. And she talked, um, we talked a lot about seasons in our life where we are not in the shape that we intended Mm, to be. mm -hmm. And that really happened to me after Carl and I got married because we were just hanging out and playing and eating too many great dinners and stuff. But I really, I gained a lot of weight and I wasn't, and it wasn't about the weight. It's just that I wasn't this, I wasn't my best. Um, you do not want to be touched when you're not feeling good in your skin. And so I think that like working out and taking good care of yourself again, kind of prepares you to, to want to be like naked. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I was thinking is, um, I think that eating giant dinners are like (laughs) the the biggest sex killer there are. (laughs) Because really like if you, if you are going out on a date and if you're going out on like a good date that has like great food, if you're like me, you like eat until you don't feel good anymore. Yeah. And nobody wants to be touched after that. It's like, please hold my hand, but don't touch me. Right. Slash I fall asleep in the car on the drive home. So by that time we're home, I'm like, just put me to bed. Yes. (laughs) No, don't, don't let me go to sleep. You can get in here too, but just lay next to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that that's, I think that those are all like really practical things that if we can be, you know, just kind of feeling at our best and, and not having eaten too much, you yeah. know, it, it sets us up for success a lot more. I think the other thing too is switching our perspective. Again, pre-marriage, if you weren't having sex, but like wanting to rip off your fiance's clothes, which is, a, I think, an important thing, um, your motivation for sex was truly like that, like passionate desire. And after marriage, um, the motivation for sex, it needs to be connection. And we have to remember that sex is an important piece of marriage. There's communication, there's sex, there's emotional intimacy, there's like financial oneness, right? There's all these things that really matter in marriage and they, they all have value. And sex is one of those things. And so thinking about, I need to put into my sex life, like what I'd want to get out of it in the same way that I want to put into my communication with my husband. Like we want our husbands to tell us what they're thinking and feeling. And this is totally a gender stereotype, but typically um, most women are looking for their husbands to pour more in, in that area. And so it may be that sex is the flip side of that category for y'all. Like he's looking for you to put more in and just reminding yourself, like, it's okay if I'm not 
like passionately desiring this, I I can reframe my mind. My sister-in-law told me years ago, sex is like working out. You don't always want to go to the gym, but when you do, and after you work out, you never regret. I mean, really, have you ever gotten off the treadmill and thought, well, that was a waste of time. I hate that I did that. No. No, like you always feel better about yourself. And when I started thinking about sex in that way, I realized the same is exactly true for it. I don't always feel like it. I'm not always in the mood. But after having sex, I never regret that we did. You know, I mean, I'm never like, oh, gosh, hate that we did that. Like, I'm always grateful because it it really it's about connection and helping meet your your needs, your spouse's needs and all of that. So. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies, and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, 
That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Okay, so what about the flip side of this? What if you're, so, you know, we have, speaking of gender stereotypes, we have this idea that guys are like, just animals. Like yes. they just cannot control themselves, yeah. but they think want about sex. sex a thousand times a day. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe that statistic is true, but like that like gets in our heads as women, I think. Oh, big time. Um, and so when you get married and if your husband is, because husbands think about like, I don't know, that bill that needs to be paid and what they have to do at work <laughs> and what you're eating for dinner and yeah. like things like that. Um, so I think that it can be really confusing if your husband doesn't want to have sex as much as you thought he did, uh-huh. like he would, or as much as you want to. Yeah. What do you, can you talk about that? Yeah. Now? Well, I mean, one thing is statistics show that yes, majority of men definitely have higher sex drives than women, but 30% of women have higher sex drives than men. So if you think about that, I mean, that's two, I'm sorry, that's one out of three marriages where women actually want sex more than men. So that to me normalizes it so much. Like if you want sex more than your husband, you are very much not alone. There is a giant percentage of women that are in the same boat. So one, just not feeling like something's wrong with you or something's wrong with your husband. Um, it's 30%. Yeah. So, and I think, I have no idea what I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that, I like that that really does normalize it because I think that the fear is, oh my gosh, he doesn't want me or he's not attracted to me. And I think like your sex drive, I think, and man, I really should know more science. No, I shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe you know more science about this, but like, that's not something, our sex drives, that's like in us, right? That's not, that's not like, she's not attractive. So I'm not attracted to her. Like your sex drive is kind of, kind of what, what it, it is. is. Yeah. So, so if, if your husband doesn't want to have sex with you as much as you want to have sex with him, it's not that he doesn't think you're as attractive as you think he is. Yeah. It's, it's just a thing. I don't know. Right. Yes. You're so right. It's definitely not personal. I, I think a lot of times sex in marriage isn't about attraction. It's not like every time my husband wants to have sex with me, it's because he looked at me and thought I was hot in that moment. Like, you know, I mean, there, there's different elements going on. Um, again, what's the purpose of sex? It's connection. It's not this like passionate carnal drive that our culture and society has totally created. I mean, yes, can it be that for sure? Totally. But that is not a like healthy, longstanding, amazing sex life in a marriage of 50 years. Like, I mean, what am I going to look like after being married for 50 years? I guarantee it's not going to be, you know, this like hot turn on where my husband wants to have sex with me. Right. Because it's not about that anymore. It's about intimacy and connection. Um, 
And shoot, I just keep forgetting my train of thought, Seth. Uh, you're pregnant, so I've heard that that actually oh, yeah, impacts things. Yeah, on a baby. It's yeah, a great idea. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so so I, I I like that though. So it's not it's not personal. It's not no. it's not I don't like you. It's not. It's just in the same way that for like if if you have a lower sex drive than your husband, it's not that you think he's unattractive. It's not that you don't like. It's not about him. It's just it's right. just. It's about you. Right. Um, And I will say, thinking about, you know, I do think our sex drive is generally our sex drive, but I have read in several books that your sex drive, the more you have sex, the more you want it. And so I do, it's like, again, back to working out, like the more regularly you work out, if you work out five to six days a week, that's going to become your norm. And you want to work out at least three of those days out of the five to six, you know? mm -hmm. So I do think... it's easy to think, um, oh, I just have a low sex drive. I don't even want sex once a week. Well, like I would, I would kind of push you and encourage you, like, let's try to ramp this up and see if it does help you or your spouse. And I think for either side, very rarely do both the husband and the wife want sex the exact same amount as one another. It happens. I think that's amazing. But for the most part, you're both going to be kind of on different sides. One's going to want more and one's going to want less. And it really just comes down to like, you guys have to honestly communicate with each other about dream life. What would it look like? How many times do you have sex a week? And then find that happy medium and really like knowing that. And I know that makes it sound like sex is like this scheduled systematic thing. But if you don't have in your head kind of a a typical expectation of what a normal week should look like for you guys. Yes. Are there going to be times where you're sick? Yeah, you're not going to have sex when you're sick or you're traveling or whatever. Um, But if you don't have some sort of general expectation, you know, you're not going to hit it. And and one of you is going to be less happy than the other. And again, going back to if communication matters, if your finance matters, like sex matters. I'll never forget um, a pastor saying from the pulpit, like, don't you think God cares about your sex life? Hmm. not mind-blowing. I mean, we just think, no, we think we have sex and God like looks away, right? Yeah. But he created sex. He created sex for marriage, for connection, for intimacy. And so God cares that you have a healthy, thriving sex life with your spouse. And I think, I, I think that you're totally right that sometimes that means doing it when you're not necessarily in the mood. Totally. Because sometimes if your husband is like, that's a way of loving him, yep. of showing up yep. like you would at the gym, you know, you're, and you're saying, this isn't like maybe the first thing on my list for this moment, but I'm going to do this because I love you. And you're right. Like you never regret it afterwards. And I think that that is very true that the more you do it, the more you want to, it just, because it comes, it becomes more of a part of the rhythm of your life and kind of, yeah, what it's same as working out. That's such a good, um, such a good example, because if you were working out three or four times a week or something like your body starts to crave it. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's got to be the same way. Yep. And I think going back to the woman whose husband wants it more, I always say never underestimate the power of a quickie. <laughs> and Seth's dying I right love now. This so but much. truly, I mean, like if your husband wants sex seven nights a week and you're like, I mean, three feels like a great number for me, then maybe, I mean, I, I know I'm getting like really specific here, but maybe it is like you're having sex three times and it's take, you know, you're taking your time and it's great for both of you. And then maybe you're giving him two quickies a week. Like, and that's not, you don't have, that hasn't be agreed upon thing that, you know, you promise him, but just knowing in your head, this is such an easy way to fill up my husband's cup. And I also see all the time, especially, especially men who have really high sex drives. Um, 
isn't that such an easy thing to satisfy for them versus like us, like I need emotional connection, you know, whatever. Um, but if you're filling that piece for them, they're able to serve you and love you so much better because it's out of their like overflow. And so I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is a, a circle and, um, but I just, I always kind of come back to how can I best be serving my husband this week? And sometimes it's like, dang, I need to get more sex this week. Or sometimes it's, I need to be really good about meal planning. I'm not the best at meal planning and grocery shopping, but that is definitely another love language for him. Or maybe it's, I need to cancel plans with those people because my husband's stressed, whatever. Like, you know what your spouse needs. And so, um, sometimes that's sex. (laughs) Totally. No. And and that's something that only you can give him. Like, right. which is a really no special one else thing. can do that. It's a really special thing. Um, something that I, um, one of our questions has to do with comparison and yes. like my friends have sex this time or like this oh, many times yes. a week. I like my husband doesn't want it that much or I don't want it that much or like just really comparing. And, um, I mean that quote applies literally everywhere. The comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it's the yes. thief of sex too. Like it just, <laughs> it, it, thief co- of everything. it is like when you compare, it's not a comparison. Um, I'm not a mom. Um, and you're not one yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of, I don't, like, I don't think so. Okay. Fine. I'm you're a host yet. to a parasite right now is really how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine uh, guys. Um, but I've heard that like when you have a kid, well, one, everyone wants to give you parenting advice. Yes. Two, there are all these kinds of parenting advice. You're trying to figure out like what to do with your own kid. But, but one thing I heard someone say one time was get to know your baby. get to know your baby. So yes, this may work for them or this may work for someone else's kid, but really get to know your baby and what they need. And I think that that's true in sex and marriage too. Like get to know your husband and figure out what he needs and figure out what you need and talk about it. And, and it's, this isn't about anybody else. You guys are different people with different lives and different pasts and different needs and different desires and different physical makeups. And like, Another piece of this is I think a lot of, a lot of our sex lives and kind of when it happens and how it happens has to do with our schedule Mm -hmm. and like what we have going on in our lives. Um, like your friends may have a different actual schedule of their lives so they can't, or so they, they see each other more during the day. For example, like you guys do not see each other from eight to six. Like how in the world are you going to have sex during the day? Right. Um, so I think it's just, this is not a comparison, like get to know your baby and figure out what y'all need. Yes. Um, comparison just is not helpful anywhere. Yeah. And I think that the trap with comparison is I do believe it's really great. Steph already said this to talk about this with trusted girlfriends. Like where else are you supposed to learn? Like you can read books, which I have read a ton and I highly recommend men and women. My parents actually, my parents do a lot of like marriage, um, conferences and things like that. And so I I heard them my whole life talk about every month, read a book together one month, read a book on, on marriage or spirituality or something where you're connecting that way. And then the next month, read a book about sex. I mean, but they literally recommended people read. I mean, if you did it that way, that's sex, six, sex, sex, six, six, sex books a year. So, but, um, reading is so helpful, but then like, where else are you going to learn about sex? Well, talking with your girlfriends and finding out like, oh, that position works really great for you. Interesting. Let me try that. Or, um, I mean, I just don't know, like, don't Google it. (laughs) You know, like where else are you supposed to find out this stuff? So, well, it's really important to have trusted friends that you can discuss things. That's where the comparison comes in. Cause all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you guys have sex seven days a week. Like, gosh, like 
we barely can pull it off three. And I thought we were doing pretty good. And, um, and that's where I think it's like great to share with your girlfriends. But at the end of the day, it has to come back to you. What do you and your husband want? And, um, just a couple days ago, Gary Thomas, I don't know if you guys know of him. He is a, a very well-known, um, author and speaker on a lot of marriage stuff, but he had a blog post about, am I good in bed? And just this thought of like, that should be a question that we're asking ourselves and not every day, not all the time. But again, if sex is important in marriage, if God cares about your sex life, that's something that I should be asking. Like, am I, am I doing a good job in bed? Am I doing a job pleasing my husband? Um, but only my husband can answer that. Like my girlfriend can't tell me if I'm like good in bed based on what I'm telling her is going on or like only my husband and, and back to the quote, like, know your baby, what my head, like I have to tailor to my husband's needs. So if my husband doesn't want sex that often, cool. If my husband needs it a lot, cool. Like, but that's where the measure, the measurement comes in. It's between you and him, not you and your friends. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I think like going back to the friends thing, you know, we really do. I think we don't know how to talk to really anybody about our sex lives. And so I want to talk about this in a second, how important it is to talk to our husbands about it and how I think that solves so many problems. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's really, our lives are hard enough. They're extra hard when we think that the problems that we're having or the the things that aren't going well, that we're the only ones. And I think that that's why I'm such a fan of having a couple trusted girlfriends that you can actually talk to about this stuff um, because you find out you're not alone. And even if you don't have the same issue, you find out, okay, every single couple is dealing with something in their marriage or in their sex lives. Like no one is perfect. Um, And so you get to find that out and you get to find out that you're not alone in that. And then also, yes, your girlfriends have like awesome tips. You're putting your heads together to figure out uh, what works for you. Have you tried this? No, I haven't tried that. Or, you know, wear this. Or, I mean, oh, right. I don't know. It's right. You get to, you, you benefit so much from like the insight and experience of your girlfriends. And I think that, you know, I always say that I'm such a better wife because of my friends. I'm such a better wife because of conversations like these, where we're kind of just in it together as friends saying, Hey, like this worked for me, or I'm going through this. Is this normal? Um, and I think that when we can really like encourage each other, we can be better wives and better at sex in that though, I would say, um, talk to your husband about it and just let him like ask him, ask his permission to talk to a couple girlfriends and he might want to pick which ones you've, you're talking to. (laughs) Um, like I have a couple like approved girlfriends that I'm allowed to talk to about it and he feels okay with okay about that. And they talk to me too. Yeah. Giant circle addressed here. Yeah. Um, but I never talk about him. They don't know anything about him specifically. Right. They don't know, like it's, it's all my side of things and yeah. it's never anything that I would be afraid of him hearing. Yeah. And I think that that's a really big, th- a really big thing. Like how would my husband feel if he heard me talking? He about was him sitting like this? right here. Yeah. Yes. Listening to this conversation. Yeah. And so I think that that's really important is I think it's really important to have some trusted girlfriends um, to talk to and to teach you things and to like, you know, um, like, Hey, try this. Or have you, have you thought about this? Or, um, this worked for me. I I think that that's so important. I think that it's really important to talk to our husbands about that and and just clear it with them because it is supposed to be, it's supposed to be something between you two, but I think that we're better at that when we have some like teammates giving us ideas. Yes, totally. And I would say if you're like, I don't even know how to bring this up with a friend, like, okay, I can clear this with my husband, but like, how the heck would I even start that conversation? 
I would literally the next time you're hanging out with one girlfriend or maybe it's maybe you have three best friends and y'all have a girls night once a month just throwing out there like hey would would it be weird could we talk about sex you know and just kind of get gauge their reaction like you're I always laughed I could never tell I would watch, I was still single and I would watch my single friends become married. And it was hilarious to me, the ones that would want to come back and talk about sex and the ones that didn't touch it. And I could never like figure out the formula of who was going to be the person that wanted to talk about sex and who wasn't. Um, and so after I got married, I kind of, I mean, Steph knows I kind of made it my mission. Like I'm going to be one of the girls that will talk about sex. If you want to talk about it. And when I have friends get married a month, two weeks, a month in, I always will ask them like, okay, how's sex? Because who else is asking this question? And if they want to talk about it with me, cool. They will. I mean, I, I one time had a friend respond, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for someone to ask me. I really need to talk about this. Like, what? Y'all be that friend if you're com- if you're comfortable with it. And it doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. I certainly don't. Um, but I can recommend some good books and I can chew on something. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just think be bold, be brave. <laughs> totally. Ask people if they'd be willing to talk about it with you. And especially if you've got questions. Like, can we talk about sex? Like, I'm just, like, you know, maybe it's, do you guys always orgasm? Or, like, like what is the thing that you're kind of trying to figure out? Like, I still haven't got this down in our sex life. Um, bring it up with some girlfriends and see how they respond. So that really, like, perfectly leads into my next question. Um, so I know that for a lot of women... Um, things aren't necessarily going so well. Like, um, well, actually, no, let's do, yeah, let's do this. This is great. Um, so things aren't necessarily going so well, like logistically. So either something that they're doing in their sex life, like hurts, um, or things aren't, here you go. Things aren't working. (laughs) What does that mean? They're not orgasming. Okay. Okay. (laughs) The big O. Oh gosh. Um, so like, yeah, what about that? And and I think that the, the the harder the extra hard thing in this is that I think that it's scary to tell your husband like, hey, totally. this isn't going super well because it's such a tender thing. Yes, it's you don't want to hurt their confidence or hurt yep. their feelings or whatever. I mean, this is the most intimate thing. How do you say? Yeah, what is happening does not feel good. Yeah, totally. So one. Not all men, but I would say most men actually really care about pleasing their wife. And I, I mean, I know men who would who would say it actually gives him like more um, I, the word pleasure, but I don't mean sexual pleasure. Like it get, like he feels like more awesome about himself getting his wife to orgasm than like how he feels orgasming. So like really most husbands out there like really want to be doing it right. They really want to please you. And so. Um, I mean, you just, you have to talk to them about it. And I think if I can even backtrack a little bit more with, with pain. Okay. Number one, if you're having pain, like just like stop, tell him immediately in the moment, like, ouch, okay, that hurts, whatever. Um, if you are newlywed and it's hurting, um, I, I will like talk from personal experience. I had pain for about three months. So, and I know a girl who had pain for a year. I know a girl who had to go to a doctor to get some things fixed because it hurt so bad and was never going to not hurt because she had literal physical like issues going on with her. So, um, one, be patient with yourself because if you've never had sex and then all of a sudden you go on a honeymoon where, you know, y'all thought you were going to have sex three times a day, like, ouch, that's going to hurt and it's going to take time for it to not hurt. So, 
Um, give yourself grace there. And you have to talk, you have to talk to your husband about it. Like he doesn't want to be hurting you. And so you have to let him know. And I think, I just think that's the same for like, it may be awkward. I think a lot of couples don't verbalize or talk at all during sex or ever talk about sex, like when you're not actually having sex. And I think both of those are important. I think you should be talking during sex, like saying, um, okay, try something else (laughs) or like, okay, that's not, I mean, the other thing that I think is hilarious is for most women, what works for you one week may not work the next week for you. And so like, that's okay. And you just need to communicate that with your husband. Like, okay, this isn't working for me. Let's change positions or like, okay, I'm bored or okay. I mean, I'm, I'm so blunt and my husband doesn't take it as me being mean, but that like, I would say things just as basic as that, like, Hey, not working. Let's try something else. Or like, or if you think try this, do this. Um, and then even when you're not having sex to, and I need to be better about this in my own marriage, but like having frequent check-ins of like, okay, how is sex going for us? Like, how are you feeling? Asking him first, like, again, are we having sex enough? Like what's really working for you? What do you wish I would do? Like ask some bold questions, but then you get to say like, okay, when we do X, Y, Z, like, I think we also all get into our go-to like mode. It's like really easy to do the one thing that we know how to do well, whatever. (laughs) And so saying like, okay, when you get like, that's just not working for him anymore. And, and I think the hardest part for most women is they actually don't know what would work for them. And that is frustrating because your husband may be there. Like, what, tell me, tell me what you want to want me to do. And you're like, I don't know. And so again, like that goes back to, practice, 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 and giving yourself grace of like, you're all going to figure it out. You're hopefully going to be married for 50 years. You have Mm -hmm. 50 years to figure out the sex thing. Your sex life is not going to be like the best thing ever. Your first year, three, five, 10 years of marriage. Like it's just not, it takes time for you to know yourself, for you to be comfortable, for him to be comfortable. Um, it gets better. I had a friend say every fourth time it's better. And so just to encourage you, like, it's not every time, <laughs> it's every fourth time. And the more you practice, the more every fourth time you get under your belt, you know? I heard you say this not long ago. You said, okay, so if it's every fourth time, then if you're not having, if you're having sex once a week, every fourth time happens once a month. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a, it's just it's not, slow. It's yeah, slow it's, growth. It's slow growth. Totally. <laughs> um, gosh, I have so many thoughts on this. I'm afraid I'm going to forget all of them. Um, one question is speaking of, so yeah, I think if, if you're experiencing pain, like consistently and it's not getting better, I think go to the doctor yes. because that's exactly what they're there for. And like, I hate, I hate the guy now more than anyone else maybe. <laughs> um, but it's really important. Like we have doctors that are specifically there to help us and that part of our bodies like work well. Yeah. Um, but on the pain, like, um, in, in the spirit of pain, um, do you have, from not from your own personal like <laughs> collection, but just in general, do you have like thoughts on lube or a lube recommendation? Oh, I do. Um, I again, but it's like everyone likes something different, and yeah. so I think go out and buy every trial size of everything you can find. I have heard over and over and over water based is better. Um, so there are probably three or four water based at just like Target, Walmart, whatever, and that's different from. Um, like KY jelly, like those aren't water-based. They're stickier. Water-based are going to kind of, um, they're just not going to leave a sticky residue. Um, and then the brand that I've also heard a thousand times over is it's called slippery stuff. And it's, but so it's like, 
just the most water-based, natural, like, no sense. Like, but again, you got you to gotta find what works for you. You got to try out different things. But definitely try it. Like, if it's, if it's hurting or um, if... Yeah, lube is your friend. Yeah, if you're having pain... Maybe just you need more lube. Lube is your friend. I love that. Um, uh, quotes from this episode. Lube is your friend. Um, I told you guys, girls night, girls night. Um, so, okay. I think talking about it can be pretty awkward. Um, because with your husband? With your, your, with your husband. Yeah. I think it can be awkward because you, I feel like we have more practice talking about other things. And again, this is so intimate that it's like, I don't want to hurt his feelings or I don't want to whatever. Um, I think it, one, I think that it gets better. The more you talk about it, the more comfortable you get talking about it. Um, two talking during sex. I think, especially if you don't talk very much, like currently it doesn't have to be like, you don't need to have full conversations if you don't want to. Right. But, but, um, as you're trying to figure out like what works, I think that little things like slower, faster, softer, yeah, like Whoa, gentle. Like, yeah, yeah. Whoa, slow down. Or like, that feels really good. I mean, that too. Yes. Like, Yes, I think that that encouragement, like, one, I don't think that saying, oh, like, left or right or something, I don't think that's not the same thing as saying, wow, you suck at this. <laughs> right. It's also like, yeah, and then being able to say, oh, that's great. Like, exactly like that. Or I really like that. That's encouragement and that's mm-hmm. feedback and that, and like, once he learns like, Oh, that's a good thing, then he'll do it again, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think that talking about it gets easier the more you do it. Yeah. Um, and then it's really important. And I think that too, like, I know that we don't want to hurt our husband's feelings at all. And that it's a tender thing to say, you know what, that, that's not working for me. Um, or that hurts yeah. or like, you know, what, what's happening isn't producing the result I want. <laughs> do you want to say it again? <laughs> Um, so I think that, I think it's really scary to say that, um, we don't want to hurt their feelings, but at the same time, I think about it, like we have a couple options. We can either say it now and fix the problem, or we can not say it. And it, and at what point do you finally say it? Like, are you, if you don't yeah. ever say it, yeah. your whole life, sex may never get better. Yeah. And how much harder is it to say 10 years in, Hey, what we've been doing for the last 10 years is not, yeah has not been working for me. Like that is a thousand times more hurtful than, Hey, what we did yesterday wasn't my favorite. Like try it this way. And I think that you can also say it the way you say it can also help a lot. Like saying like, I love you. And this thing you did was awesome. You know, kind of, so I learned how to give feedback kind of a while back and it's been really, really helpful. So you, you make an Oreo and you say something really positive (laughs) and something constructive and something positive. And I promise it makes it, it's better. Yeah. Like, so you say like, you know, what you did yesterday, the way that you kind of kicked things off was so fun. Um, and and I really liked it. Um, the one thing I wanted to say is I know that you were trying to do this and I think that maybe if you did this slower, it would help a lot, but seriously, like yesterday was awesome. Awesome. And I'm so excited to do it again. Yeah. Like he does, that does not make him feel like a bad person, right? but it does get you to a better place where you're actually growing together. Cause yeah. if you are keeping your mouth shut and not saying what's actually happening, your sex life will not get better. Yeah. And I think you can even blame it on yourself a little bit. Like, hey, something's going on with me and like, I am just not like getting excited and orgasming the way that like I thought I would or the way, you know, I mean, then it's like, it's not even about your performance. It's like, something's not working with me right now. Can you help? Yeah. What else we can do? And the other thing I think that is important to say within this conversation is if you are faking orgasm, stop it. 
You have to stop. And I mean, I know if you're like, I've been faking it for a year or three years in, or I fake it only twice a week, like just stop. And if that means you've never orgasmed and you've been faking it, you're going to have to have a pretty like pivotal come to Jesus conversation with your husband and confess. Um, but even if you're just doing it like occasionally, just don't, it's not worth it y'all. Like what that is doing to him is so, he would be so sad to know that you are faking an orgasm. And also I think it's important to say, you don't have to orgasm every time. He doesn't have to orgasm every time. Like I will never forget someone saying, Hey, sex, like you're tap, you know, cause we'll think about like, Oh, we want to be having sex this many times a week, whatever. And I'm very high driven performance. Like, so I'm like, I, we got to hit that goal. You know, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, but a friend saying sex is going back to, it's that connection. It's intimacy. It doesn't equal orgasm. So if you have sex and it, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work y'all. Like sometimes there are just times you're like, okay, let's just be done with this. You know, like I'm ready to go to bed. Like you still had sex. You still get to check off the box. It was success because you connected and like entered together in an intimate situation, um, and so it's just okay. It, you do not have to orgasm every time. He does not have to orgasm every time. It's about connecting. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, one thing that I forgot to say, this is like so jumping around, but um, in terms of like getting him or yourself kind of in the mood is lingerie. Now, mm-hmm. I have to say, like, I I don't know. No, I think I can say this. Like, I don't, I honestly don't wear lingerie as much as I thought I would or as oh, much totally. as I like I don't know, maybe should, but yeah. it is such a great, so, uh, so in that, in saying that, um, it's not one of the, it's not a prerequisite. Yeah. You don't have to wear lingerie in order to have sex. Like if you are, and another thing, like learn about your baby, get to know your baby. Like some guys love it. Some exactly. guys can't care. Do not care. So, so I think so like, it doesn't matter. No, it totally doesn't matter. And so yeah. I think like get to know your baby. If that's something that he really likes, do that for him. Yep. If it's something you like, do that for you. Because I think that is That's absolutely right. a sign. Hey, we're about to have sex. And like, if you get the right kind and you like, you know, get one that feels really flattering and really comfortable on you, but that's a fun thing. And that's a fun way of kind of switching it up. And it's also a fun signal to yourself saying, Hey, we're about to have sex. Like yes. get there, get in your, yes. get in that headspace. I've heard about women like the, they put on certain lingerie in the morning and it really helps them throughout the day. Like they have it on, they're like ramping themselves up for it. They're excited. And, and or sometimes a combination of like, they make sure their husband sees them that morning putting that on. So he knows what to expect. Like that may totally work for you. And again, it may totally not like, it may make zero difference. And so that's where know, know your baby. Know your baby. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. Um, so I think that the last thing I wanted to just mention, um, and then maybe we could give kind of a last like encouragement or tip. Yeah. Um, but the last thing I want to mention is, um, you mentioned at the beginning that I know a lot of the women in our community have either really hard pasts or their husbands have really hard pasts, really messy pasts um, when it comes to sex or they have abuse in their past. And those things really do impact, um, impact your sex life. Um, one thing I do want to say is from, I can say this, like from experience, the fact that you have, if you have had sex outside of marriage, like if you've had sex before, before you got married, or if your husband has, that is not a death sentence to your sex life. Like I can absolutely say that from experience, like that is not, 
God is not going to, you are not being punished. Like you are not going to have a terrible sex life. Like there's so much redemption in this. There's healing and there's forgiveness and there's newness. And, um, like I absolutely for a thousand reasons believe that sex is better in marriage and that that's where it should be. And mm-hmm. we can talk about that. That'll, that's a whole different podcast. Totally. Um, but if you have mistakes in your past, that is not a death sentence for your, for your sex life in your marriage. Um, Hannah, if, if people are, if, if, their past or their husband's past or like past abuse or things like that are kind of coming to mind or, or stealing from their sex life. Like, what would you suggest? Yeah. I mean, I am not a licensed therapist, so the advice I would give will be so vague and brief, but what we've kind of already been saying, like, number one, talk to your spouse about it. Talk to your husband. Like he wants to know if there's stuff going on, like if there's something that he's doing and it's this certain thing or position or whatever that's triggering um, a horrible memory from your past, like he wants to know that. Um, And just seeing him again as a safe place to kind of process and share like, this is going on with me. Or sometimes I may initiate sex and start wanting to have sex. And then some memory, some visual piece comes back to mind and I, I can't, I have to end. I don't feel safe. Like, talk with him about it. And then I would say, talk to a therapist, like go and see someone that can really help you process. Um, life is too short for you to go through 50 years of marriage and, and just continue to struggle day in and day out with your sex life because of stuff that's happened in your past. Like there can be healing. Will it be a hundred percent? Maybe not. And that's okay. Like, but trusting that the Lord has provided tools and resources and people for you to come around you and really to help you heal. And so I would say that's number one, your husband, and number two, a therapist. And again, number three, I think there are books out there that are just really helpful. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I would say the same thing. I'd say, see a therapist. Like I am of the opinion that we should all be in therapy at least like at least once in our life, but I checkups all the time. Like I having, there are wonderful people in the world who are trained to help us through hard things in life. And I just think that when we run across things in our lives, no matter what they are, that are just beyond our pay grade and beyond what a girlfriend can help us through, or even what our husband can help us through. I think that seeking someone who can actually help us is the best thing. And that's the best thing you can do for your marriage is to find someone who can really walk you through whatever the the thing in your past was so that you can get healing from it and get freedom from it. So it's not plaguing you every time you have sex. Totally. Um, The book that I was thinking about earlier, which totally ties to this, is called The Sexually Confident Wife, and it's by Shannon Etheridge. And that's another book I really recommend. And she has a section, I mean, probably a third of the book is about if you've had sexual abuse or trauma in your past, da-da-da-da-da. And so um, really helpful. And then she's got a ton of resources in that book, too. But that that book, um, in general, is also like, I love that book because there were pictures of positions. And number one, I loved it because I mean, there are a thousand Karma Sutra books out there, but this one were like pencil drawings of like real women, like not stick figure women, like different shapes, different sizes. I loved that. And, um, that was really helpful. I mean, my husband and I, neither of us had had sex before marriage, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, but like, so we've really just had no flipping clue what we were doing. And so books like that were so helpful for us to like, just again, where else are you supposed to learn these things? Like, you know, like where else are you supposed to learn different positions or things you can try? And, and so that book and the good girl's guide to great sex just have really practical tips on, you know, both leading up to sex, 
during sex, after sex, just super helpful. I love that. Um, okay. So what, maybe I'll go first. Cause I want you to go second. Um, so <laughs> last kind of like encouragement or like tips for the road. Yeah. Um, I would say two things. I would say one, this is a team sport. That's like, great. Y- this is a team sport. You and your husband, it is not you against your husband is not you next to each other. You guys are on this team together. And so together you are trying to figure out what works best for both of you. And so I think that that's why it's so important to tell him like, this is what's working. This is what isn't. Let's try this. Let's try this. And and to hear that from him too, because you're working together for a really awesome sex life. And so talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. Be really honest. Be really kind, but be really honest and talk to him about it and keep working until you find things that work. And so that would be the second thing is practice. Like if it's one thing we kind of didn't mention is like, maybe we did, I can't remember now. Um, but that sex is awkward in the beginning. It totally is. Like (laughs) we have these ideas of like our wedding night being this thing where like, you know, we're like swinging from chandeliers or something like, I don't know why that's kind of in our head because it's, if the first time of anything is, is, can be awkward. And so if, if it's awkward right at the beginning, that's okay. It's also beautiful, like beautiful, so sacred and special and worth it times a gazillion. But also there's like the, the amazing people that did our premarital counseling called it plumbing. There's like, there's some like plumbing things to figure out, you know, um, like really, you know, and, and those things, those things get better with practice. And so if it's, if you're right at the beginning, or even if you're not at the beginning and you're still feeling a little bit uncomfortable or not feeling like you're really in a groove, practice and talk yep. about it and, and be honest and keep working at it. Yeah. Totally. What would you say? Um, I feel like a broken record, but I would say God cares about your sex life. And so it's, it's something that is worth like considering and evaluating and thinking about on a consistent basis in your marriage. Not every day, not every week, but like coming back to, if we're going to check in and see how we're doing communicating, or we connect emotionally, how our finances, like sex should be one of those things. At the same time, knowing like we want our finances, right, to be like in line, you know, and, and great c- consistently. Um, not that we don't want that for sex, but there are seasons and seasons of life and things happen where you go through a great like sex is awesome for a season. And then it's not because he's really stressed out at work or because um, I don't know, maybe you're pregnant or <laughs> I mean different, or you have a newborn or you have three kids or you, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to be an empty nester someday. All these variables in life completely impact your sex life. And so knowing that the goal, yes, is to be pursuing your spouse and, um, and, and pleasing them in the bedroom, but giving yourself grace, it's just, it's not, it's not always going to be a fantasy and that's not that's not the goal. It comes back to like, I just want to connect with my husband. I want to be um, intimate with him. And intimacy is in a thousand different ways. One of those is sex. So um, give yourself grace, but it, it's worth, if you've never talked about it with your husband, it's it's worth bringing it up this week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just the next time that y'all are alone at dinner, whether, you know, maybe you need to go out on a date night in like a really back corner of a restaurant <laughs> if you've got kids at home or or whatever, but just saying like, Hey, I know we've never talked about this, but I, I kind of was thinking the other day, like, I kind of want to talk to you about our sex life. Like, what do you, what are your thoughts? Like, and it talking about sex being awkward in the beginning, that conversation may be awkward in the mm-hmm. beginning, but it's like, the more you bring it up and the more you practice, um, the easier it gets. And it's just worth it. I love that. Um, okay. 
This is so good. I, <laughs> I'm just giddy over this. I'm so happy that we did this. Um, okay. So before we go, Hannah, I have yes. three questions for you that I've been asking everybody. Okay. And the first one is what is God teaching you these days? Oh gosh. Uh, so many things, but I would say, I mean, okay. So even just yesterday, I I've been doing, um, a Bible study about the seven I am's that Jesus declares in John. And, um, yesterday we were looking at his first I am is the bread of life and going back to the Israelites when God, um, led the Jewish people for, out of Egypt, out of slavery from Pharaoh, you know, they crossed the Red Sea, all that. Um, they get to the other side and all of a sudden they freak out because they realize they don't have any way to provide food for themselves. They don't have grain to make bread. Um, and they complain to Moses and start stressing out. And that's their response. And we know the story. God provides them manna every single day that they're in the desert to provide for them. And as I was reading this, I literally laughed out loud at the Israelites, like so haughty and prideful, like, oh my gosh, like they're so dumb. Like they immediately, of course, God just freaking split the Red Sea. Like, of course, he's not going to let them starve in the wilderness, which is what they were complaining to Moses about. And it, I mean, I hadn't finished laughing where I felt like I just got hit by a spiritual two by four. And I mean, heard the question like, and Hannah, how often do you do that? And yeah, and just really started, I mean, seeing some things that are going on in my life right now, like, okay, there, there are some areas in life where I need the Lord to provide, but I choose to either totally stress about it or complain about it to other people. Like as if my, and sometimes I even think y'all, like we, instead of praying about something, we talk about praying about something or like ask for a prayer from a friend. Like even that is not doing what God wants us to do, which is to look to him and him alone. Like only he can satisfy and only he can provide. And so I think that's a big thing is just over and over. I feel like the Lord is gently correcting me. And some of my responses sometimes going, Hey, all you need right now is me. Like I am your provider. Don't look to your own problem-solving skills, your own wisdom, your own whatever. Like, I am your source of provision, always. Look to me, cry out to me, and I'm going to provide for you. So... Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, it's also painful. Let me tell you. Yes. Yeah, that's so good and not fun. So good luck with that. Um, we, I think, are all exactly in those um, Okay, so the second question is, what is something kind of random that's bringing you joy these days? Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so we've said I'm pregnant. So something that is bringing me joy that is super random, there is this elderflower cordial that you can buy at the world market. What is a cordial? I don't know. It's like a sugar syrup, I guess. Okay. But like an elderflower, it's like straight elderflower and then they've added some citrus stuff. And um, anyway, it's it's used a lot in cocktails, but I found it and by actually a recommendation of a friend who was pregnant a year ago. And she's like, it was my favorite mocktail. And so I used my little soda stream and then I put some elderflower cordial in it. And it just tastes like the most tastiest mocktail ever. And I'm typically like really against mocktails. Like I'm like, just have a cocktail or have water, <laughs> like whatever. These mocktails are stupid. Um, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Yes. And when you really want an old fashioned, which is what I've been craving recently, um, I'm going to bust out my elderflower cordial. <laughs> Oh my god. It was such a dream. Yeah, oh, that's right. This is so good. This is so good. <laughs> um, okay, last question is tell us who um, tell us about a woman who's been inspiring you lately. Okay. Give her just a big old shout out. 
Um, so there is this amazing woman named Andrea Lucado. And if you don't follow Andrea, you should look her up. She's got a blog and a book and all this stuff. And Andrea actually just released her first book, gosh, probably a few months ago. And she, I mean, she doesn't even know this, but she has encouraged me so much through her blogs regarding her book. And she talked about how, um, when she first got her, her first shipment of books, she was so over it. She like didn't even care. She like didn't even care to open the box and pull out the book. And that has really encouraged me in this season where I am with my book. I'm in the final editing process. Um, and there are just days that I'm like, do I even like this anymore? Like, is this, is this even good? I mean, there's so much self-doubt. There's so much whatever. Um, and then, so I've kind of gotten to like watch her walk through this process several months before me, but just the other day she was sharing how much it like fills her up to see all of these women posting about her book and responding to it. And it's this beautiful memoir about her time in Oxford. Um, and the book itself is so inspiring and oh my gosh, you should check it out. But, um, just such a good reminder. I, I think at the end of the day, like if God has placed something for you to do, if he's calling you to walk in obedience, walk in obedience and trust that he's going to use that for your good and his glory. And I think that's what I've just been seeing her as she's walked through this season of life that, that I'm about to walk into. And so I don't know, but she's just, she's so awesome all around and always has these amazing spiritual insights and it's just real. And yeah, she's great. Andrea Lucado. I love that. Man, Hannah, this is just the best. You are the best. I'm so Thanks. excited that they got to meet you. Thank you for being here. Yes, this is so fun. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the show. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' night. So would you do me a huge favor and take just one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who have left those beautiful five-star reviews already. It means the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and I cannot wait. I'll see you then.